to turn in your Bible, if you want to follow in your own copy of the Scripture, um, if you would turn to uh, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. You know, I'm going to say it here, just so we're all clear. I, like, I really like pens. Or truthfully, I like good pens. Now, they don't have to be, they don't have to be uh, fancy pens or expensive pens, but they just have to work well in what someone in my family has described as my chubby little fingers, uh, which are evidently cute. Uh, I'm not sure about that. But recently I learned about a very unique pen. I didn't know about this before a week or so ago. It is called a rostrum. Had anyone ever heard of a rostrum? It's, a, it's kind of a five-pointed pen which can be used to draw all the lines of a musical staff simultaneously in proper proportion. It comes, it comes from the Latin rastrus, which has to do with a rake. And, and I, you know, I thought about it. I remember uh, in school, our teacher having a uh, chalk-holding device. Do you, does anybody remember that? And it would come across the board, and it was all, all nice and neat lines. For some people, um, I should specify... Um, a chalkboard was an ancient technology. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm being smart about the board, uh, smart board. Um, but, you know, when I thought about this, I thought, yeah, I love that idea that, you know, with one stroke, I can do five lines. That's exciting. And, and I right away started to think, I like that in my life, too. I like the idea of, you know, one effort, a few, a few different uh, benefits from that one effort. But, you know, if we're not careful, if we're trying to multifunction and multitask all the time in our lives, sometimes that can cripple us in prayer because if we're trying to juggle too much, then what can suffer? It's those times of contemplation, that was our topic last week, our times of being able to really listen to God because today what we're uh, emphasizing as we consider prayer is that prayer is not just us talking to God, but God talking to us. And sadly, you know, the pace of our lives can leave very little room for speaking to God, let alone opportunity for Him uh, to speak to us. Now, when I bring up the idea of God speaking to us, I don't know what comes to your mind if you're thinking about your own experience for myself, I often think of the, the, the key or, you know, sort of the go-to stories in the Bible where God spoke to people. The, here's three that really are familiar to me, that really um, uh, come to my mind when I think about God speaking. So there's Moses. Uh, do you remember in Exodus 33, we learned that uh, God would speak to Moses, and there's a pretty cool phrase there that God would speak to him face-to-face -face as one speaks with a friend. Now, isn't that a, a pretty astounding comment? God speaking to Moses as a friend, because we know even earlier in Moses' experience on Sinai, uh, God said, um, you know, I'll shelter you in the, in the cleft of the rock as I pass by, because you can't, you can't take in all of my glory, right? And yet, there was this way that God spoke in a very personal relationship with Moses. Uh, Samuel, how many of you maybe were thinking of Samuel? Speak, Lord, 
for your servant is listening, is the statement that Samuel gave as he was awoken at night. Eli encouraged him uh, to listen in to God and, and even to say, okay, God, I'm listening. Tell me what, what you want. Um, Elijah is another one. Oh, well, at least I was thinking Elijah had an expectation of what God speaking should be like. He thought it's like the, you know, encountering God's voice or God's communication is like a big wind or like an earthquake or like a fire. But God took him through the, all of those elements, if you remember the story. He wasn't in the big wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. But God, God's voice to Elijah was in the gentle whisper, right? So we can look at those, and I think they're helpful and they're instructive, but they can also maybe say, well, I'm not Elijah, and I'm not Moses, uh, Samuel I'm not either, and, and so I don't know if listening to God's voice, God speaking to me, really is, should be part of my experience, seems so distant from these giants of the faith. Well, I really think that's just more reason for us to be in this current study of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we're, you know, our, our series that I think is really appropriately titled, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. It's got to be God guiding us and transforming us in prayer. You know, because the prayer is in the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount emphasizing life in the kingdom, we've been encouraging you to think about are praying in light of God's kingdom. Do we pray in sync with God's kingdom? Do we pray for God's kingdom values and purposes? I know we, we sang that this morning, and I've been appreciating, uh, David, that you've been including that song. I don't know if you've... Have we been doing it pretty much every Sunday? I, almost every Sunday we've been... Uh, may your will be done. May your kingdom come. And, um, and, and that's, that's a great prayer that we're asking of God. Uh, recently, I was reading in the magazine Faith Today. If you don't get that yourself, we get about five or six copies at the church, and so there's usually a couple of copies at the Info, uh, info Center. In the January-February edition of this year, the Evangelical Fellowship, of which we're an associate member of this evangelical organization across Canada, and they produced this magazine, and so they had done a study and that they, they, in which they said 78% of their affiliates, so these are people who believe uh, very similar um, evangelical convictions as, as we hold, 78% say they prayed at least a few times a week over the last year privately outside of meals and religious services. So that's good to know that 78% are not just praying only for their food, or uh, just praying along when the pastor prays on, on Sunday in their, in their church. But I was thinking about that. That leaves, if I'm calculating correctly, 22%. Or as a pastor would do, he would round it up, right? So that's almost a quarter, uh, uh, one quarter of God's kingdom, at least those, that aspect of God's kingdom that's represented by being in connection with the EFC, you know, who don't pray outside of church or meal. Or as my friend used to say, you know, if you're in the restaurant and you need to pray for your food, like, knock your fork off the edge of the table and then as you're bending down, oh Lord, thank you for my food on that. And it's not so, it's not so visible, right? 
we need to grow in this area of prayer. And I would really want to emphasize we, we need God to grow us in prayer. I need God to empower me in prayer. No matter how many times I say, oh, stupid, 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 I need to spend more time in prayer, no amount of that kind of self, you know, uh, flagellation is, is, is going to really produce it. It's got to be the Spirit of God that works uh, it into our lives. And really, that is the promise, because when Jesus brings us into his kingdom, he's, he's changing us from upside-down living to right-side-up living. And uh, this is the idea of being brought into the kingdom of God. So here's some of the things that, you know, he's been changing us. And this is uh, a bit of a review. Just quickly, he's ch he wants to change us from seeing prayer as a duty to see it as a delight to meet with him. He wants to change us from just being desperate to really being dependent upon him, from asking uh, only to having a real posture of adoring him, from flailing around, but rather to focus in as we pray, from observing, oh my goodness, this world is in a terrible state, what's for dinner? No, oh my goodness, this world's in a terrible state, let's take a few moments to pray about that, you know? And we, we, we should, you know, if we see a news article or if we get the newspaper, it should be kind of a, a, a growing thing in our lives. <gasps> Look at this. Let's pray, you know. Let's ask God to be involved in that situation. Uh, and then uh, from the outside, moving from just the outside, um, prayer maybe as um, a, a, a to-do to prayer as an inner uh, growth and contemplation was what we talked about last week. Just before we get into our topic for today, which is listening, I just want to ask if you've noticed, I don't know if you've been seeing the progression that's in our topics, and um, uh, what I've liked as I've borrowed these titles for our various sermons from the prayer course online, I hope you're listening in on that when you get the opportunity, but there seems to be a progression, you know, we start um, with adoring, not with asking, and then you know, we're simply asking for our needs. And a few weeks ago, we were on the topic of petition, and we were at the same text that we're talking about today, verse 11, um, give us this day our daily bread. And then, you know, if we're asking for ourselves, then another growth level would be to ask on behalf of others. If we're asking on behalf of others, another growth level would be to to grow deeper in our contemplation and our consideration of how God works in this world. And if we're doing that, what is he saying to us? So we go to listening. And so it's a progression, and I hope you see that. And as I say, uh, we're kind of circling back to verse 11, or the phrase that's in verse 11, um, give us this day our daily bread. It was the same text when our sermon was on the topic of petition. But now we're not thinking so much about the ask, but we're thinking about the answer. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, I don't always expect an answer. Do you, do you find that in prayer? Oh, I just got to keep asking, 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 and um, maybe, maybe God will, will answer. It's sort of like the spinning talk, you know, that we talked about a few weeks ago. Just spin it out there, and Lord, please, bless everyone in the world, you know, Right? 
Um, but we should expect to hear from God. I really think that's what our theme is today. We should expect that God will speak to us. But I don't think we want to get into a position of determining what he says to us. And I want to begin right away with this idea of grace. Grace for listening to God. i got three things I want to say about listening to God. We begin with this idea of his grace. And for that, we're in this story in Luke chapter 24. So it's a, it's a um, fairly lengthy story to read, but I just want to read it for you, and I'm just going to make a couple of quick comments about how God graces us in this area of his speaking to us. It's one of my favorite stories in, in the Bible. I just kind of love the drama and the significance of this story. Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? asked Jesus. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our com companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and to enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then uh, the two told what, the, what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. So it's a fantastic story, right? And I don't know, um, you can ask me afterwards, but I won't probably have an answer for you. Um, I, I, I don't know, I, 
I'm, I'm curious, I really am curious why their eyes would be, be veiled and they wouldn't see Jesus. Um, you know, was it just for, it certainly gives dramatic effect to the story, right? But I, th I think for sure it does teach us about how we need to have our eyes opened. And um, I'm not lost on the fact that, that I told you we're going to talk about listening to God, and now I'm talking about vision. Uh, I get that. I'm, I'm not a medical person, but I know the difference between vision and hearing. And I recognize this is a story about people who didn't see. But we could also say it, it, they, they, they didn't hear the truth of who Jesus is, and they needed to have that opened to them. And I think this story really emphasizes for us the fact that hearing from God, this is a gift of his grace that he works into our lives. I think it's profound. Look at verse uh, 32. They said, were not our hearts burning? We were, we were just so filled with attentiveness and there was something going on when we were hearing Jesus speaking to us of all the truth that the scriptures convey. And then I, I personally really appreciate this expression, the very last verse, where it says, Luke makes this, this summary comment, um, that, they, that Jesus was recognized in the breaking of bread. They recognized who he was in this most significant expression, uh, portraying his most significant work, his death, burial, resurrection, his sacrifice on their behalf. So I, I just ask myself and you today this question, are we putting a lot of pressure on us to hear from God? You know, here, you know, it could be as simple as here I've got God's word, and I'm looking over here and I'm saying, boy, I wonder what I wonder what God is saying to me. I wonder what He's got for me. I I I wonder, you know, where where He's leading me. And all the while, right? All the while, He has spoken to us in His Word. And so He's already been gracious to reveal Himself to us in his word, and sometimes I do think we get tempted. Um, maybe it starts very legitimately, yeah, God should be answering, he promised to answer me, and I need to be listening, and what is he saying? And all the while, we've got our back turned to one of the most major ways he speaks to us, and we're not seeing how gracious and good he is. I, I also think this story teaches us that God is just as gracious in those times when we don't see what he's up to, as in the times when we do see what he's up to. Would you agree? You can nod or shake your head either way, whatever you want. I, I really think this story tells us that God is in control of his relationship with these guys on the, who are on the road to Emmaus, Cleopas and company, and, and he's working in their lives even when they weren't seen hearing what he was up to just as much as when they did see. And then, when they, when they got it, he was gone. That always frustrates me too, right? Why are there so many stories like that in the scripture? But I think this story really emphasizes that it's not about you and I producing God's voice. It's about us graciously receiving his voice. And sometimes he speaks to us fairly clearly, either through the word or other ways. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But I think uh, he is equally um, 
gracious to us even when his voice is withheld, if you will, for, for a season. He is our loving Heavenly Father, and he's going to speak to us and reveal himself and glorify himself according to what will um, serve his kingdom. So as we think about uh, grace for listening to God, I also want to think about uh, a gauge, a bit of a gauge for listening to God. Um, here are a couple of gauges. I've got a small one here, and it is measuring um, pressure in ounces per square inch. And then I've got another one here. This one is a little bit older, and it was to measure steam from a steam engine that would have been in my grandfather's tugboat many, many moons ago. And uh, gauges are wonderful instruments because they measure um, and uh, give us an indication of pressure. If you want a detailed explanation, our official church power engineer, uh, Pat, will, um, will explain it in greater scientific detail to you later. But suffice it to say that a gauge tells us when the pressure is at a good level or if it gets around to a dangerous level. And I like metaphors, and I think that maybe a gauge can be for us a bit of a metaphor for gauging not the pounds per square inch, PSI, but maybe the measurement of HFG, hearing from God. What is the measure of hearing from God in our lives? And I was trying to think, okay, I can say this great big picture comment about God is gracious to speak to us when it's his time and we have to be patient. But how do we, how do we actually get ourselves into a position to speak for God and uh, to listen to, to God, um, to hear his voice? Well, I've tried to create a bit of a gauge. I, and I hope this is helpful, but this is the way I think about it. So we start on the, on the bottom left. And then we move around, uh, the, the move around uh, to the right. Um, as I said, you know, in physical, with physical properties, a gauge says that, you know, the pressure is, a, is, in, a, is in a healthy range, in a, in a healthy range, or if it gets around to a dangerous range. And I would suggest that we start with uh, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is our first most safe starting place for listening to God. Uh, before we swing around to, uh, you know, maybe a dream or something, uh, first and foremost, we would start with that indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit uh, who brings sometimes a, a deep sense of peace when we're on the right track of listening to God, or he um, He causes us not to have peace when we're when we're, when this is not God's direction or, or guidance for us. And the Word of God, of course, guiding us, clearly revealing God's heart to us. Another level as we move up would be the, uh, what I call the body of Christ and a quiet heart. The body of Christ is this idea that um, collectively, you know, we work together to help each other uh, understand God's will. Very good example, the thought was, at our leadership team meeting many months, several months ago, you know, where do we go? Which, which school should we use? And as we discussed and we shared what we were sensing from God, collectively we had a body of Christ level agreement, you know, as a leadership team that uh, we should 
head towards uh, the Webster's Corner uh, option. And uh, that can be such an encouragement. When I was a young guy thinking, I, I want to be a pastor and, and, you know, serving in my church, people in the church uh, were encouraging me. Um, they didn't quite say things like uh, this, but maybe they were thinking they should say, you know, we're confident your sermons will get better, you know, or something like that, right? But they, they, they encouraged me along, along the way. So I think that's another level. The, I, I call it a quiet heart because I think it takes a lot of intentional effort to quiet our hearts and to even push away other voices to say, okay, I'm going to shut down, you know, what's coming in either literally, I'm going to turn off devices or I'm going to um, put myself in a quiet space or whatever, but quieting our hearts so we can really focus in on the Lord. I think another level is really important. I read this in, in a book, and I, and I thought, that, that's a, a very good step, writing it down, document it, keep a record. God said this, God spoke to me. Keep a record. It, it's, it's part of uh, living with a deep belief that God is leading us. Um, it doesn't work very well if we hear something from God and we don't do anything about it, right? So faith steps uh, of obedience, uh, submitting to God, um, that submission might be longer waiting when his voice is withheld for a while. And then I think there certainly is a place for experiences, impressions. There are times where uh, I, I, uh, I'll give you a very concrete example. When we lived up in the north, there were a few times of great difficulty in our family ministry, and I can't remember the exact issue, but I can very much remember being out for a walk, uh, I don't know, minus 20, minus 30, whatever it was, we're all bundled up, and you know when you're out on the snow and you get that crunch, 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 and we're just walking with the dog and praying, and there was some of the most beautiful um, northern lights we had we'd ever seen, and it was actually on two or three occasions where I'm not saying to you that something was spelled out in the northern lights. I would have preferred that because I could just take a picture and say, there it is. There's, God spoke to me through the northern lights. But I can definitely tell you that as we poured out our hearts to God and the Spirit was comforting us and rattling around in our hearts and our minds was the truth of God, God for sure used the beauty of the heavens to assure us of his presence, to assure us that he was leading us. Now, I would suggest it's around there on the dial, right? And we start with God's word. So I don't know if this metaphor helps you, but in my brain, it helps me think that all of these are very, very important and helpful pieces to discerning that God is speaking to me. But I would suggest we not get off the scale, you know, in a danger zone, and that there is a fundamental starting place that we don't want to put my unique personal impression or experience on par with the Word of God. So we just put it into its proper perspective. And that is something that helped me because um, it, sometimes we need some sort of gauge for discerning how God is speaking to us. I've been reading through a, a bit of the book, Hearing God's Voice by Henry and Richard Blackaby. 
and they offer an alternative to two extremes. Some people are going to be on the extreme of saying, forget it, Pastor Brent. There is but one way of being led by God, and it's the Word of God. Everything else on there, that's just window dressing. It's just the Word of God, completely on the objective extreme. And then there's other people that are just as extreme, and they say it's all experiential. Um, not opposed to the Word of God, but it's all extreme experience. And of course, um, the Blackabees have for, for many years helped people reconcile that it's not those two extremes, but it's having a biblically-based, Holy Spirit-guided, um, personal encounter uh, with God. They, they write this, when God speaks, he does not give a new revelation about himself that contradicts what he's already revealed in Scripture. Rather, God speaks to give application to his word, to the specific circumstances in your life. And so I encourage you, keep reading God's word. Keep uh, putting yourself in a quiet space to hear uh, and experience the Holy Spirit's guidance. And all of these pieces are very important. Uh, one of the greatest experiences that we've ever had in hearing God's voice was, was pretty straightforward. Uh, we uh, were told that we could go on a sabbatical for two months. I thought about what that should look like and wrote it down. We gathered, we invited very specific people, would you come together and help us discern what God wants us to do? And uh, they got the information. I, I said, this is what we're thinking. And they said, that sounds pretty good, but we think you should, you know, scratch that off and have more emphasis on this. And, our, and our, that, those two months were one of the most significant restoration uh, times in our, our lives and ministry. Why? Because we listened to God, and it was the body of Christ that really helped us uh, to do that. The last thing I want to suggest is a, a guide for listening to God. This is something practical that you can explore um, but I, I, I want to just remind you of what Jesus said to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. They, he had taken them there. He had invited to them to pray with him, but they had drifted off to sleep. And here's his rebuke in Matthew 26, 40 and 41. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now that's, I, you know, if you want to, uh, I see a little bit of humor in there in the sense that here's Matthew writing and Jesus uh, said this to Peter, right? You know, is there something to be, to be understood there? Um, you know, I thought about the fact that Peter was the most, at least from what we read in scripture, was the most vocal that we'll die with you. We'll, we're there with you till the end, you know. And then when it was prayer time, Peter was snoring away. And we know this experience. We know that in our spirits, we want to connect with God. We want to talk to him. We want to converse with him. We want to hear his direction. But we're weak. <laughs> we get tired. Um, other things, uh, you know, are more attractive. Um, just one way, this is just one tool, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but just kind of show it to you, describe it, and then you can uh, explore it because it's in the Digging Deeper uh, notes online. But we'll just go to this tool, and 
uh, Dick Eastman uh, wrote a book, uh, let's see, how long ago was it? Uh, 2013, he called it, uh, his book, The Hour That Changes the World. And all he's doing here is saying, okay, if you take an hour, if I said to you, pray for an hour, um, uh, you know, I'm right there with you uh, with, on the question of, okay, well, how do, how do you do that? Where do you start? What do you say? What's the process? And um, what he's saying here is if you find a number one just uh, um, here on the, the left, he's saying begin at praise, uh, then go to waiting, confession. You know, so he's got this, this journey, and um, he's, he suggested that, you know, take five minutes, five minutes for worshiping God and, and adoring him and praising him. And then the next five minutes, just wait. Just having, he calls it a silent soul surrender. Um, again, this is just one um, tool or guide that you could use to spend uh, an hour in prayer. And I think the hour is significant because that's exactly what Jesus said. Couldn't you watch with me just for one hour? But look at those uh, 12 five-minute intervals, going from praise to waiting, confession, scripture, watching, intercession, petition, thanks, song, meditation, and what's the last? Well, praise is the very last, but what's the, uh, the second to last? Listening. And I thought this was very instructive, that if we rush into God's um, um, presence and say, okay, God, what am I doing today? Quick, 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 I got to go. I'm late for work. What, what's the deal, right? Well, what kind of encounter would that be? We know, we know that in our human relationships, that's an inadequate encounter. So how inadequate is it with our relationship with God? But what if, what if we did some real praise? Just five minutes, some real waiting on him, some significant confession, some grappling with scripture. Again, just a few minutes, watching, interceding for others, speaking to him about our needs, giving him thanks, praising him in song, just quietly meditating, and then listen. Don't you think it would be different? We, we get into a posture of interaction with God, and we let him speak through his word, and we reflect on him, and then I think our listening will be different. And I think we will be hearing his voice as he, as he knows uh, when it is good to give his uh, guidance and direction to us. So I encourage you to go to Digging Deeper. It's a little different color um, on the notes, but I've got this exact little thing there. And you can even print it off, throw it in your Bible. Next time you have the opportunity to carve out an hour for prayer, there's a good guide to lead you through. And really listening is one of the pieces, but I think it's very instructive that it, it is something that comes as a result of um, good, meaningful, robust praying. So let me just wrap up, and I'll say this. I began by telling you I like pens, but I'm also uh, taken by some modern technology. I like Bluetooth technology. When I first, I can uh, remember when I first encountered this word Bluetooth, I thought, Bluetooth? I got some black teeth, but I've never had a Bluetooth. What, what, is, what is a Bluetooth? And I, I, I love it. I, I, um, I can play music on my portable speaker, uh, my mouse, 
has Bluetooth technology. I don't have a, a cord. You know, it's, it's amazing. But the, the challenge with this technology comes when you go to make the connection. This week, I sat down at my desk, and my mouse wasn't making the connection with my laptop. And I was just about losing it. I really was, you know. Um, spiritually speaking, God, he's done his part, right? He's done his part. We have in Bluetooth technology this phrase, when you go to make the connection, now discoverable as. Have you read that? Now discoverable as. And then you read your device or whatever. But let's remember, God has already done all the work of making himself discoverable to us, right? He's done that. He's he set out his um, character and his agenda and all of his uh, plan. We see it uh, after scripture in how the church has grown and yeah, warts and all, right? There's lots of warts and problems with the church over the centuries, but we still see God's work through the body of Christ. Sometimes we overcomplicate. Maybe we avoid. Maybe we um, reject this opportunity of connecting with the one who has made himself discoverable. And so we get this error message, device not connected. And it's no wonder that we're frustrated or discouraged. Well, God doesn't speak to me. Why doesn't God speak to me? God seems to speak to other people. Why doesn't he speak to me? And so I, I, I think it's about letting uh, the tech do what it was intended to do. You know, when I, when I make the connection, uh, well, I, I, I don't make the connection, right? Bluetooth does it all for me if everything works well, right? And it's not your job to make God speak to you. I think if you go away with anything today, you know, we're not trying to make God speak. He is speaking. He is gracious and good and guiding us. Our job is to humbly, submissively, obediently, reverently listen and wait upon him. And it's even in the listening, and I haven't yet heard what he's fully said to me, but it's even in that that he's gracious and good uh, to us and leading us. So let's just bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you've made yourself discoverable to us. And I pray that you would uh, give us um, uh, the maturity by, from your help, uh, that you'd help us uh, so that we're, um, we're not trying to make you speak, but we're listening, we're attentive, um, we're, uh, we're patient. And then as you have a word for us, a direction, uh, that we'll, we will hear that. We will be connected with you because of your grace. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.